I'm Shadi Sharif, and this is Cyborg. At the beginning of every hero's journey, there's either a great loss, a great defeat, or a great sacrifice. So Tony Stark was a billionaire, a genius inventor, and the CEO of a military defense company, which basically would just build weapons for war. And at the beginning of the story, Tony just cares about money, status, and success. But soon enough, he gets attacked and he gets taken captive. And there, he meets a doctor who saves his life. And together, they decide to build a suit to try to escape. But when their plan is going to go through, the doctor runs out to distract the guards and sacrifices his own life to save Tony's. And in his final words to Tony, the doctor says, don't waste the second chance at life. And in that moment, Tony decides to stop creating weapons and instead dedicates his life to creating a safer world. And that is where Iron Man was born. So I believe that the idea of sacrifice is incredibly powerful. And immigrant families especially sacrifice everything to build a life of opportunities for their kids. And so many kids in turn feel a pressure to make their parents' sacrifice justified. So in today's episode, I'm chatting with one of my good friends, Anna, about her experience with the sacrifice that came from her family's migration and the effects that that had on her. So Anna, welcome to Cyborg. Hi, thank you for having me here. I'm so happy to have you on the show, especially because you're from a different culture than me. So I'm really excited to hear about your experiences and your perspective. So I'd love to just start off with you giving a little background on where you're from and who you are. Well, I was born and raised in Mexico, Puerto Vallarta to be exact, and I moved to the U.S. when I was 12 years old. So we've been living here for 10 years now, about 10 years now. Wow. And I think the age that you come here is really important, and you came here when you were an early adolescent, which I would say is a really difficult period for any young person, but I can't imagine how much harder it is to then on top of being in that stage of life, having to move to a completely different country with new culture, new language, and all of that. So I'm curious, how was that transition when you first came here and when you started going to school in the U.S.? It was difficult at first, especially because I didn't know the language. It was it was very hard trying to communicate and not really make friends. Um, that wasn't as hard as I thought it would be because there was... We, from Mexico, we moved to California and we lived there for two years. And there's a large population of like also... Mexican people so I did find a few friends that spoke Spanish Mm -hmm. so that made it easy but I just adjusting and and just I don't know for a 12 year old it was intimidating yet fascinating at the same time wow I can only imagine and I think it's really important to note that because you came to California first and like you're saying there is a large Mexican population there you 
already had some sort of community near you, it sounds like, and you were able to connect with people easier than maybe someone who moves to a different part of the country where there aren't as many people from their culture. So I'm curious, living there, did you feel a pressure to become quote-unquote Americanized or were you comfortable expressing your culture and where you came from? I felt that it was always okay to show my culture. I never felt like I need, like I didn't feel like I needed to pretend to be someone else, but at the same time, I wanted to be like them. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, no, I was never embarrassed to say that or to, uh, yeah. I'm not embarrassed to say that I speak Spanish or that I am Mexican. I've always embraced that part of me because that is who I am. That's amazing. And psychologists find that people who are more connected with their ethnic culture actually have better psychological well-being, that connecting with our culture actually protects us from negative mental health outcomes. So I'm curious, how would you describe life is in America? Time flies. Time doesn't feel like being enough. Um, You fall in a routine. It's always, at least I've seen it at home and myself too, I guess. You're always just worrying about tomorrow. Um, I see it in my dad. His routine is work, home, work, home. And then grocery shopping during the weekend and that's it Mm. and it breaks my heart because it was never like that when we were in Mexico but I also understand like the reason why it is like this now you know and and I sometimes also like do it myself where I see that it's just work home work home and I push myself to go out with my friends see my friends at least once a week Um, so yeah, just time doesn't feel like it is enough. It doesn't feel like it has 24 hours. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You're always in the rush. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It feels like you're stuck in traffic. Mm. Yeah. That's just the way I I see it. And it's just, yeah, always being in a routine Mm -hmm. that you don't get to enjoy life. Wow, that's such a powerful image. And you're bringing up a really important point in that American culture emphasizes working in general. But immigrants who come here, they have to work twice as hard to even get half as far as someone who is born in America. So I understand why your dad has this kind of quote-unquote routine that he has to live and at the end of the day doesn't have time to spend focusing on himself or just doing things that he enjoys or maybe he just doesn't even have the energy to spend on those things you feel exhausted you feel you feel tired and i can see it. like my dad works construction as most mexican people do that immigrate to the u.s um and i see it I, I can see that he's tired i can i can see that he probably doesn't have the energy and we invite him to go somewhere like just plan something he will say yes most of the time he will say yes um and he enjoys it but we can see that he's tired mm-hmm. so that one breaks my heart because you 
there's nothing you want more than I mean when I was little I remember saying that I'm just I'm, I'm gonna have enough money that I'm gonna be able to take care of my parents and they're mm-hmm. not gonna work anymore yeah. you know and then reality come cra- reality comes crashing down and, and, and you're like damn how am I gonna do this like yeah. you know uh, I thought that by a certain age I was gonna be able to do that And I think this experience you're describing is really common with immigrant kids where we have this feeling of needing to give back to our parents who have sacrificed so much and worked so hard to give us the life and opportunities that we have in a different country. And when psychologists look at the research, they do find that when kids feel the sacrifice and gift that their parents have given them, that that's connected with kids having higher educational values for themselves and putting in more effort in school. So I'm curious for you personally, whether you saw that impacting your interest in education and your desires for the future. Well, I graduated high school in 2018, and my plan was to go to Metro, actually, right after that. Um, and, and I think my major was going to be business. I don't remember exactly, because I think I blocked that part. Uh, yeah. Things didn't go as planned. And I had to drop off. I had to just go and and say that I wasn't going to go to college anymore. So I had to drop out um, without even school starting. Because if it did, then I was going to be charged. Wow. So it sounds like you did have really high goals and you were going to go to university. But there were some challenges that you had to face during that time. So what exactly happened that you had to drop out what happened is i did get scholarships but it wasn't enough so i had to pay money out of pocket i had to pay around a thousand dollars out of pocket which was doable for me but then they said that one of my applications didn't go through which was financial aid something like that they didn't even explain it correctly to me uh, but the, I had to pay, um, I think it was over $8,000 out of pocket. And obviously, I didn't have that kind of money. So I had to drop out. Otherwise, I was going to be charged with tuition. And so I called my scholarships and I tell them that I'm not, I'm no longer going to go to school. I'm no longer going to go to Metro. And then they ask me what happened. And they're trying to figure out what's going on and what got lost. So time is clicking and and i have to either make the decision to continue and pay that money out of my own out of my own yeah uh or just say bye to school so yeah i i went and i told them that i wasn't gonna come the semester That's such a hard decision to make and I think you're describing an experience that a lot of people can relate to which is just the application process and understanding how to get financial aid, how to get scholarships. You have to have a lot of knowledge and you have to know how to navigate all these different systems to be successful in that and I think people who are immigrants and have immigrant parents 
their their parents don't know how those systems work and if they don't have someone in their environment whether it be a teacher or a mentor who's going to guide them through that it's really difficult to know how those things work and to take advantage of those opportunities i didn't know what fafsa was wow yeah i um i don't think i was able to complete that either um i might be wrong but yeah it's just and and i was ashamed um because like i said my my teachers were like so sure that i was going to go to college and that I was going to be great. I even took AP classes. Wow. Um and it just that also made it like so hard because maybe they're not college level classes, maybe they are. I don't know. I don't know if they prepared me, but I was taking those little like steps for me to be ahead kind of and understand how college was going to be. Well, I will say that AP classes are definitely no joke. I also took them in high school and they are the toughest class you could take and absolutely prepare you for college. And I think it's so amazing that even from that young age you were thinking about how you can prepare yourself for this next step in your life. So, you know, you've mentioned that you didn't end up going to school, and I'm curious what your plan was moving forward. It's been four years and I haven't gone back. But the plan after that, I was supposed to work and save up enough money. My dad, so beautiful, he offered to get a second job. But as I mentioned already, he works construction like there was no way he was going to get decent hours of rest. So he is now 55 years old or 56. Um at the time he was like 50 something. Um so no, it just didn't make sense to me and I didn't want him to to do that for me. So I started working, but during that time it was really hard for me because I've always loved school. Yeah. For me it was just like a dream and a goal that I had to achieve. And I thought that I had to go right after I graduated high school because one that's just the way everyone explains it to you mm-hmm. when you're in high school. Mm-hmm. Um that you're just supposed to do this. Um they see it as a bad thing if or that's just the way it felt to me. Um it's a bad thing that you, you take time. because then you might never go back. Mm-hmm. And so I just had this <laughs> in my head and 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 I was depressed for a year. Um because I felt like a failure. I felt like I let my parents down, you know, and 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 they would always like tell me how smart I was and how proud they were of me and and I would hear my teachers like also say wonderful things because I mean Like I said, I just I loved school. And I still do and and hopefully one day I will be able to go back. Wow, I can't imagine how hard it was going through that period in your life. And I think so many people with immigrant parents can relate to this feeling you're describing, which is that there is a pressure to succeed and to live up to these expectations but when we don't it can have really negative effects on our well-being and our sense of identity 
And it sounds like you didn't go back to school, so I'm curious what other things factored into that decision in the last couple years? As time went by, um, I realized that even if I got the money to go back to school, I am undocumented. I don't have a social security number. I can't get a job if I don't have those things. Mm. So, yes, I would keep the knowledge, but I would end up working as something else Mm. rather than what I prepared myself for. Wow. And that's just, it was going to be something, another thing that was going to hit me, I feel like, even more than me not being able to go to school for the first time or to college the first time. So, yeah. yeah. Thankfully, I started working what I now work at, which I've been there for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met beautiful people that um, helped me overcome like depression and then because they knew um because I opened up about it and they helped me out a lot just like my family did my mom she every day like just reassured me of how valuable I am and, and that that doesn't define me and school just eventually I will be able to go so yeah I met I met beautiful people along the way that helped me out. Yeah. Yeah. But oh. that's something that not a lot of people know or care enough to know. Because mm-hmm. um, I had an ex-boyfriend who was or is still undocumented, but he had DACA. And um, I don't know if he would try to make me feel better and say that it didn't work, but... Here I was, uh, with just like, I think it was 5000 in scholarship for us to, he got a full ride to CSU. <laughs> wow. And I was just like, mm-hmm, yeah, it doesn't work, I'm sure. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know, like I said, maybe he was trying to make me feel better, but it, it didn't feel that way. Wow. And I think you describing your experience as someone who doesn't have documents is something that not a lot of people know about because it's not something that's really discussed or taught. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions. People might think that everyone who is undocumented can get DACA, but that's actually not how it works. It's a selective program that only gives access to certain people who apply to it. Not everyone gets it. And in the same coin, there's so many other things, like you were saying, even if you did go to school and complete your degree, you couldn't work in the field that you wanted to because you don't have those documents. So I'm just curious, how was your experience as being an undocumented person from a young age? You always have that fear of like it being your last day in the in this country mm-hmm. um, because you could get deported you could get like immigration like knocking on your door because someone i don't know puso el dedo as they say in spanish somebody just tipped them yeah yeah and and that's a fear that you live with yeah every day i can only imagine how difficult it is living with that fear constantly 
So I'm curious, once your parents found out that it wasn't going to happen and you weren't going to be able to go to school that year, what was their reaction? I don't know about Persian families, but Mexican families, they are very strict. Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed to dye my hair any color. I wasn't allowed to like paint my nails. Um, None of that. And so when this came, I was like, Mom... I need a change. <laughs> it's like if I'm going through a breakup and I need a change. <laughs> yes. And so I, it was the first time that I dyed my hair and it helped. Um, it, it was just something new, a, ch- a change Yeah. for, for a start. And, and so we went to her salon and I was blonde. I guess they agreed because they saw how hard everything was. Mm-hmm. And how hard I was going, being on myself. And I definitely think that it's so amazing your parents were able to change their opinions and quote unquote rules with you when they saw that things needed to be shifted. And, you know, in your case, it was time for a new hairdo. <laughs> um, so I know this was, you're describing it as a really difficult time emotionally. And I'm curious how they were able to support you in that way. They, I'm not going to say that they didn't believe in depression. They just didn't, they had never experienced it. Mm-hmm. And so here I am, sad all the time without any motivation of getting ready or doing anything or getting out of my room just to like just go to work and and yeah no it was worrying to them like because I've always been like a cheerful person and I'm always so positive and I try to see the positive things in everything and everyone and it was heartbreaking for them too so they just feel that void with just love Mm. and they've always been so loving and so kind and I couldn't ask for a better family wow (laughs) yeah I I definitely love my my family a lot they mean everything to me that's so beautiful and when psychologists look at social support it's one of the biggest factors in protecting people And specifically in immigrant families, they find that when parents and kids are able to connect and support each other, that it really helps buffer those negative effects that immigration stress has on on us. So I'm curious, if we were to look to the future, what plans do you have? I used to be so hard on myself into having everything planned. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that now I am kind of going with the flow but I'm also very hopeful of the future and like I said I do want to go to school I want to go to college and I want to get my degree my bachelor's my master's whatever it is I haven't lost hope yeah (laughs) and there's times where I feel like I can do it all Mm -hmm. there's also times where it feels like maybe I'm stuck you know but I push through those thoughts and I'm just like, nope, we're going to keep pushing in one day and you're just going to make everyone proud again. Not that they're not, but, you know, um, so 
Wow. Yes. I'm very hopeful for the future. That makes me so happy. And I'm so proud of you for all the amazing things you've already accomplished. And I can't wait to see what lies ahead in your future. So thank you so much, Anna, for coming on the show today and sharing your perspective with me. I feel so honored to have been a part of this conversation. It's amazing. If you ever want to do it again. <laughs> I would love that so much. Intro music was written by Optin Akrami. And if you're interested in the research I referenced, you can find a complete list on our website at cyborg.info. 